Box of Trash. I'm just living the dream. I'm in love with the lights. This is not just a game. This here is my life. Put the cameras on me, yeah, yeah. Put the cameras on me, yeah, yeah. Put them on me, put the cameras on me, yeah, yeah. Put them on me, put the cameras on me, yeah, yeah. Hello, everybody, live from Southern California, where we are on fire. It is the Ozone. I'm your host, Omar Miller. I'm here with my brother, formerly Houston Astros fan, Terry Miller, also known as the Icons. Yeah. Well, I got to be formerly. How are you feeling post-mortem? I'm, I'm feeling great. I'm not post-mortem. Nate Trick, not me. I'm well, good. That's all. I guess it's all yeah, good. Yeah. Okay. I guess it's it all good. Yeah. <laughs> So we got a lot to talk about. Primarily, you know, man, I'm just I'm sorry we can't share more with you guys more frequently, but I've been working, and it leaves me not a lot of time to jump on the microphone. But unless you've been living under a rock, you missed the wildest World Series in recent history. A seven game clash was in full effect mode. We told you guys upon our last outing to not sleep on the Washington Nationals. Don't sleep. They were there for a reason, and everybody slept. Including the Houston Astros. Got lulled to sleep. First and foremost, let's talk about how the Houston Astros came out super flat. The Astros came out games one and two as if someone had told them that they had already won the World Series by beating the New York Yankees. It was almost like they were casual fans of baseball. Right. They came out. I didn't see the fire or the grit that had them beat the Yankees in six, that had them go the distance with the Rays, that had them win 107 games all year. I didn't see that from the word go. They they came out. They jumped on Garrett Cole, even though Garrett Cole, I would I would argue, still gave you a strong outing in the first. Uh, oh no question. You know he gave you what seven? He gave you five runs over seven, four yeah. runs over seven, yeah. something like that. I'm not mad. At he that. was due to get gutted. He was due to get. He hadn't got gutted since May. <laughs> this is baseball. You get gutted. Everybody it, gets. Everybody gets gutted. Yeah, and uh, gutted. <laughs> and then and then there's so many wrinkles and elements to this this World Series. It's unbelievable. So then you move into Game Two. Game One was tight, five four game. The Nationals pulled it off. Game two, move in with Justin Verlander. The pressure's on JV. He doesn't have a bad game, but he doesn't have a great game. And, Justin Verlander's low-key Clayton Kershaw. And, and, and undercover, now, it, it starts to come out that Justin Verlander can't win in the World Series. He can win in the playoffs. He can't win in the World Series. Mm-hmm. Then we shift. Then suddenly, that game was just a watch. That game was 12-3, to and it looked like that, that it could be sweep city for the Astros. Go back to Washington. We get to the nation's capital, and the Nationals forget how to score. Zach Greinke, of all people, comes out and confuses the bats, followed by uh, Yerquity, who who confuses the bats, followed by uh, Garrett Cole, who totally and completely dominates them. And we go back to Houston 3-2. Odds on, it looked like that the Astros were going to win in six. I had said the Astros in seven. But uh, it wasn't to be. I thought it was in six. Yeah, it was not to be because game six, they came out looking flat and Steven Strasburg totally and completely dominated for 8.1 innings. No, he didn't. He he got in trouble. Like I said, he totally and completely dominated for eight point one. No, innings. he did he not. Gave up two runs. Yeah, he gave up maybe two runs, but he did not. Or they, two hits over. They actually tricked that game and probably the series with them not scoring that run. What was it in the third or fourth inning when they had a uh, the runners with uh, a runner at first and second? I mean, the runner at, when they didn't send the runner home. Gary Pettit didn't. Send the gentleman Terry's been drinking. We we're going to the details, and then Game Seven was actually a great game with a lot of controversial calls that that uh, from the manager, not from anybody, pretty right. much except for the manager. 
Um, but I want to give you a full World Series breakdown of one of the most bizarre and historic World Series that you've, you'll ever run into. This truly was a fall classic. Um, all right, let's start with the pitching. You know, the Washington Nationals are the best team in baseball, and they just beat who everybody, including myself, thought was the best team in baseball, basically with three pitchers. For the entire series. Yes. I completely agree. That is really riding them out for Dave Martinez. That's basically lulling you to sleep. You never really pick up on the fact that they're only using three it, it was a, it was It was tricky. It was like a subliminal three, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the three pitchers weren't dominant in the yeah, couple I, outings. 100%. Yeah. Uh, uh, Max Scherzer was not unbeatable by any means. Uh, and nor was Corbin as well. I was talking about Corbin, but... Scherzer was a little wobbly. They jumped on Scherzer early in game one, jumped on Scherzer early in game seven. One thing that I've noticed about this World Series was when the Nationals started to score, because their bats were silenced when they were in D.C., something about playing indoors in Houston seemed to make a big difference for them, also not facing uh, Garrett Cole and Zach Greinke, because these are the two pitchers who dominated for the Astros. Garrett Cole and Zach Greinke dominated the Nationals. I don't care what anybody says. On both sides of the spectrum, really hard and really soft. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Pinpoint accuracy and total overpowering domination. I could see how Zach Greinke was really, really effective. Oh, man, he's killing them. Yeah, just because he had a sinker working. Change up. Change up. The breaking ball definitely was working. Then he would sneak the fast, run that joke up on you. Run that 89 (laughs) on your head. Wait, dude. (laughs) I I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. Yeah, he made he made Anthony Rendon look bad he, until he didn't. Until but he yes, didn't. but yes, I agree. And and you know, uh, it's it's very interesting in that sense because the thing that I noticed about the Astros was when they let the National score, they could not stop the bleeding. And the same thing seemed to happen in Game Seven last night. Well, to me, this is the manager's fault because right on. he went to the well once too many times with. With Will Harris, but he also... Who had gotten dug the night before, Yeah, by the way. But he also, you have to, this is a short series. And, you know, retrospect, when you look over the whole body of work, it's a short series, especially when it comes down to the last two games. So if you see that something's not working, you have to make the changes immediately. It's like a boxing match almost. You have to make make the changes immediately. Yeah, it's real time adjustments. So when you see that it's not working or the wheels fall off with said person or script, then I need to change that. I can't stay there and stay with it and then get surprised with the outcome because I've already seen it before. Yeah. And last night, he he didn't do that. He didn't make the adjustment. You saw, you saw two stark opposites as far as the coaching styles went. A.J. Hinch, first and foremost, went away from everything that got him 107 wins. Sure did. Since when does an American League powerhouse bunt over runners with the catcher, with no outs. Well, I don't. I, I still don't put that on AJ Hinch. I think that was a, a move from Chirinos. He was making an artistic choice. <laughs> I don't think he made an athletic choice. He did because I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think that. Why would AJ Hinch three, tell him? Three, to, why would I, I? Would I would like to ask AJ Hinch that? Uh, three straight hits. Guriel hits a home run, and then we get two singles. You are cooking with Crisco right now, and Max is thrown off, and he's wobbly, and you help Max out. By not getting a bunt down, you pop out the bunt, and now this is That's how- why I don't think that AJ told him that because for the simple AJ <laughs> that they don't they don't um they don't really do that. And why would you it ask a guy who, who doesn't do that to do that? Especially the catcher. Who sink or swim? 
who who has hit big bombs in Washington yes. during this series. I just don't understand because and, – and if it was on Robinson Torino's, terrible game IQ. He's the kind of guy in that situation that you play with on the video game that does something boneheaded and you can't be mad because right. that was a very J.R. Smith-esque kind of play. Very much so. You can – hitting everybody – if you guys don't know already, everybody that knows anything about baseball that has ever actually played baseball knows – Hitting is contagious. Just like errors. Just like errors are contagious. They, they, when you try to get them to throw the ball around so that you can cause confusion, one bad throw leads to another. One thing leads to another. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what happens. Yeah, you say what you say. <laughs> throw and you throw. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, this is how it works. And since everybody, you know when it's almost like a Jedi mind trick, because what happens is then pitchers start pitching balls right where they're hittable. Center cut. (laughs) Center cut or balls that should be caught drop in, maybe that aren't errors, but that are, you know, a little flare or something, this, that, and the other. Well, this is a big point. Yeah, but this is a big point right now, which, you know, is going over everybody's head. I just gave the Nationals scouting department crazy kudos because. I saw that. I had to retweet that. Yeah, because there's not, it's not a coincidence that when they hit a, a, a certain pitch to a certain place that somebody's sitting there. Even if Victor Robles makes it look like that somebody wasn't supposed to, but this it's not a coincidence. They've set that a lot. They've aligned their defense to go where the pitches are. You know, it's unbelievable to watch. It's unbelievable, and then you can see that the Astros were completely out of out of sync. position. Yeah, they were yeah. out of because because two outs and they're getting two outs hits. Even that ball that Juan Soto caught that George Springer yes. swung on the three zero pitch that could have he was right in the right he was in the right he spot was in the right spot. It was a difficult play, but he was in the he right was in the right spot. If he, so if he was a foot, if he was two feet. To the left or the right, make that play. He doesn't make one that foot. Play. That ball almost hit the ground. Yes, and that scores two runs. And, and that's the scouting. difference between four zero and two zero is massive from a mental standpoint. Yeah. Well, it was like what I was just talking about with Gary Pettis, because so game six. Yeah, it is something that nobody. I didn't hear anybody talk about, and I love John Smoltz's uh, analysis of baseball mm-hmm. games. By the way, so I think everybody's in good hands listening to John Smoltz. I know Joe Buck catches a lot of flack. But John Smoltz knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's talking about as far as pitching and surprisingly as far as hitting. Yeah. Um, but that's why he's a great pitcher. That is why he's a great pitcher. He knows what, what's so hard about hitting. Uh huh. And what hitters are looking for. Yep. And so with that, you see a situation where I was surprised because neither one of them said much about it. In game six, they have uh, uh, Steven Strasburg in trouble. And there was a runner on. They hadn't. I they think it was the third or fourth a, inning. No, it's the fifth inning, and they hadn't had a hit in five innings. Mm-hmm. So they they scored in the first inning, and Steven Strasburg did what great pitchers do. He settled in. They hadn't had a base runner or a hit in four innings from that point. Then they get a runner on first base on a, on a walk. I do believe Josh Reddick walked. I don't, uh, he might have got a base hit, a bleeder or something. Yeah, a bleeder, something nothing, yeah. nothing damaging. And it was two outs. Then no, it was one out. One out. You're you're right. I'm sorry. One out. George Springer comes up, and George Springer hits a rope off the wall, off the left field wall, which gets tangled under the fence. Juan Soto doesn't pick it up clean. Reddick comes around second. He's about to come around third, and Gary Pettis holds him up. Now we're talking about second and third with one out, which for a guy like Steven Strasburg, who could punch out 250 guys a year. He's an ace. You just... Helped him out immensely. There's so many things that have to happen in order for you to throw out Josh Reddick. Josh Reddick is even if, even if he stopped and started, even which if he, he did. stopped and started, he, but, still, he didn't even stop. He's no, old. He, he hesitated. Yeah, but 
you have to have a perfect relay. You have to get that ball clean from under the fence. You have to have a perfect relay to another relay. And then Trey Turner has to throw a perfect throw home. And there's too many. And then, as we saw a lot with the Yankees and Gary Sanchez last year, the catcher has to make the play and make the tag. But the thing of it is, is that when there's a, there's a different approach to the game when I have the, a one run lead and when there's a tie game, you put yes. Strasburg under the gun at this point. Yes. Because now he has to pitch a different way. He has to have a different approach. And what you're doing is now you're saying that if I, what I'm saying is that if you threw him out at home, you would have a guy at least at second, probably third. You have a guy at third with, with two Jose out. Altuve coming up with two outs. Yeah. Which you ended up with second and third with one out and then, which turned into two, which then turned Al- into, because Altuve struck out yeah because he knew that he was anxious because he used his aggression his, his aggression against him because the whole world saw jose altuve actually hurt the team and now when you watch baseball with baseball people folks which most people don't do when you watch baseball with baseball people they bring stuff up about how stuff bites you later on i watched jose altuve hurt the team in game four i think it was Mm -hmm. because there was a situation where he should have taken a walk it was runners on second and third he was up he got hit by the pitch it was it was yeah it was game four because it was patrick corbin was pitching he got Uh, hit by and it wasn't three and and patrick corbin yeah and it's actually a hit by pitch just a hit by pitch because it touched your clothes it it, can't can't touch your uni at which point he made no protest and nothing else but he should have went to first base he did not go to first base bases would have been drunk bases would have been drunk for Michael Brantley and he did not do that but they still ended up winning the game so it seemed like it was no big deal well the difference with people who actually play the game and people who don't play the game is Steven Strasburg was in the dugout and saw that he clocked that and he said man this dude wants to be the hero (laughs) he is anxious so what happens and not only Steven Strasburg Jan Gomes Kurt Suzuki the the catching battery knows that this dude that you can use this against him Mm mm-hmm and that's what they did. And they struck him out, a huge strikeout, which now puts the team in a position to have to get a base hit to score as opposed to a sacrifice fly to score. Or just is, contact because just he contact. did not he did not strike out on a on a pitch, on a strike. Struck he struck out on a ball in the dirt. The, the first pitch five feet. The first the pitch was uh, um what a slider, oh, a foot uh, foot, uh, off. foot foot off the plate. And I took a hack. I had to. <laughs> I always <laughs> I was do. Too excited. Yeah. yeah. And he hurt the team. And this kind of little stuff ends up hurting the team long term. Long term. came back to bite them in the in game seven as well. There are so many small things that the there okay, were that was game six, right? Yeah, that was unastroisque. It was unbelievable. <laughs> to watch. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Because to watch. they broke character a lot of ways. I saw Carlos Correa starting to pull his back together. He and got he a bad his, call. He got that that hurt the team that bad. Because the they were still only down four to two. Yeah, and Wolf had called a good game up until then. Because everybody was mad at Randy Wolf. What's it? Uh, Jim Wolf. Jim Wolf. But Randy Wolf's brother. Uh-huh. But he had a pretty consistent tight zone. I thought he had a good zone. And until, he hope, he got until, caught up in the crowd. He he this is the the we'll get to this next point. We have a caller who wants to join this conversation. Um he had a good he had a good zone until after Rendon hit the home run and there was a walk to Juan Soto, which is what got Grinky lifted. And he actually threw a strike on a two one pitch and should have yeah. made it two two. And instead, it went 3-1, and Zach Greinke wasn't going to give in, which is why he walked Juan Soto, which is not Zach Greinke's style to walk no. people. But he also recognized that he did not want to give up the game-tying home run, so he, he just put him on base. Will Harris do it. So probably not <laughs> thinking that he was going to get pulled because he figured he could carve Howie Kendrick like he's been carving him all day. Well, I mean, I looked at that picture several times. That's Howie a strike. Hit, but, no, that one was a strike that we were just referring oh, to. The one, so the one that Howie Kendrick hit out was a great pitch. That was this low is, and away. low and outside. This is great oh, man. professional hitting. Come on, man. What do great. you want from Howie? From, I mean, I'm not even mad at Will Harris. No. He's just seen it too many times. Yeah. 
There's too many. There's too much video of you with that. But let's get to Game Seven where they really lost the, the series. And in Game Seven, in my opinion, even I though they, they could have beat them in six. Game Six, yeah, uh, is that the Astros left 21 runners on base in Game Seven? Yeah, and ultimately they had Max Scherzer in trouble a lot. He was, he, he was on the tightrope. He was on the tightrope, and that positioning helped. Yeah. But they helped him. They started chasing pitches out of the strike zone, and the thing that you saw the whole time is the only pitcher that could get them out in the strike zone was Steven Strasburg. Yeah. Not even Patrick Corbin, because Patrick Corbin w- was the beneficiary of some well, strike, Steven strike, strike. I mean, Steven strike zone, but Steven Strasburg. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great, great uh-huh. nickname. <laughs> he didn't get them out in the zone. He got them out. He got ahead of them, and that's what he did to work well for him. He got ahead of those guys, and he made them fish, and that's something that the Astros usually don't do. They start. They, they, I tell you what I saw, honestly. Michael Brantley is the one to stay composed, and George Springer no, stayed composed. Because look at how the game ended. I know, but he got him. But that was, but I know which was Carroll. But, 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 but that was like a, deep. Yeah, but that was like six six pitches into their bat. So he he stayed tight. And honestly, honestly, what I saw was that the Astros cracked under pressure, and you could see that. And you could, and now you could I, I I disagree because I don't feel like it was a crack. I feel like it was what you had stated earlier that these some of these guys were trying to be heroes instead of just playing within the I game. I don't know. I play, watch, play I, watch, I watch Alex Bregman was tight. Alex Bregman was, was tight, tight because he was Jose Altuve was tight. He had done so much and he spoke so much that he had to try to live up to what he was. You know, he wrote a check that is <laughs> that behind can gas his bat can gas, <laughs> and he want to walk with the with the first base with the bat. Blah, blah, blah. And I told you so I'm, much, yeah. so much to cover. Let's get our caller in. We got a we got a New York Dan on the scene. New York Dan, what's happening? How's it going, man? Uh, yo yo yo! You tell me, how does it feel? To not win the World Series from a team in your division that wins the World Series that you guys were better than. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't believe he asked you, Perry. (laughs) Talk to me, man. We're talking about the series at large. Just to catch you up on the conversation, a couple key plays that we felt like where the Astros really blew it. Game six, when Gary Pettis, the third base coach, did not send J.J. Redick on what would have had to be a perfect relay twice to uh, to throw him out. They had Strasburg in a little bit of trouble. Really, the only time they had him in trouble. Uh, would have tied and, up the game 3-3, wouldn't it? No, no, no. Two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 3-3. He only ended up giving up two. Yeah, would have tied up the game. I think it might have would have tied it up 2-2. Two, two. Did he give up two in the first? He gave up two. Oh, okay. And, yeah. then, and then last night the awesome uh, positioning of the national scout team because every time they had Max on a tightrope every inning and yet they were hitting bullets, but it was right at guys. We were talking about how what seemed uncharacteristic was the Astros cracked under pressure when the time came, when push came to shove. And I was very surprised to see how tight they were. What'd you see in the series at large? And, and what do you feel about the series as a avid baseball fan uh, watching a lot of nationals games, being such a Mets fan? Yeah. Yeah, I I saw the Nationals a ton this year. Um, so the thing for me was, first of all, it was a classic series. I was not happy about the outcome, obviously, for what you said at the top of the show or at the top of when you called me. Um, but honestly, this is what makes the game great. I mean, the guys, nobody on the team had a ring. They won oh, really? Four, yep. Only one person on the even non-active roster. Um, wow! I'd have to. I'd have to look. Wow. I, I, I'd have to look. Nobody on the team. I mean, think about it. That's awesome. Know? Think about it. So, I mean, you got guys. I really, you know, I, outside of Soto, I'm not the biggest Soto fan, but I like guys on that team. You know, as Drupal, 
from his time on the Mets, even Kevin Long. I, you know, I love I Kevin Long. Right. We met we met so, Kevin Long a couple times. He's a really cool guy. Yeah. So I mean, you know, they had a lot of guys also who were probably never going to get a ring unless they got one this year. So for that they reason, poach one. Yeah. Well, listen, that happens. I mean, we we see that happen in all kinds of sports, not just here, but not. But what I will say is. Although on paper the Astros seem better, you know, just like what happened with the Mets, they got outmanaged. And we, it seems mm. like all we do is talk about managing on this show when I'm on it. Uh, just because <laughs> the, the thing with my team, and we can talk about that later. But, uh, you know, to not put in Cole when you have the lead, I don't care if it's the middle of the inning, there's one I out, agree. two outs. He said before, Harris it needs a day off more than anybody else. In he the world. said it before. <laughs> That's what we've so, spoke about. He said it right. before. This is unbelievable. Now so I'm not going to give him the day off and put him in the game. So, right. So my thing is, whenever I'm thinking about decisions like that in a, in a sort of strategic capacity, what would the other team want me to do? If you're thinking about it from a nationals perspective, what do you want to do? have happen more than anything else? Harris, come into the game. Exactly. Right there. You want, uh, okay, first of all. You either got to go Ozuna or Cole. Plain or, and simple. Or, or Ozuna would be fine. Uh, yeah, but oh, I would have been okay with Ozuna. And and no, then no, having I Cole, mean, I, and then having Cole close about, the game. They have a decent bullpen, sure. though. I'm talking about from a national perspective. If you were, no, if no, no, no. I agree were, with what you're saying. Okay, so my thing is giving up a home run to Rendon is just like giving up a home run to Babe Ruth at this point. Yeah, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? So, right. He's a real MVP. Right. Walking Soto is probably the right thing to do. Even this is what we just said. Even though the 2-1 pitch was a strike that pushed it to 3-1, the right thing to do was to not give in. Right. Either make him chase or not. A.J. Hinch got off that bench so fast. He was ready to pull him clearly before he was hit the, 80 was, pitches into the game to me with, with, with to one, me it with sounds like he, was, he had somebody in his ear and telling him oh you know you got to watch him you yeah, got to watch him yeah, you got to watch him and this this right. is one where i actually think it's him and not analytics i think this was right. no question no day. question but i'm somebody was speaking to him telling him if he gets into trouble you got to watch him you got to watch him well hey dude that, i gave up two hits the home yeah. run was his second hit of the, the game home run was second hit he of the was, game. and then and then you know what when you got a guy like that throwing crooked stuff, I think he's at least threw one Ephus pitch last night. <laughs> at least one. Like I saw it, 66. Right. I saw it. So, what? Uh, again, what do you think these guys on the Nationals bench want? Oh, these hitters. Last thing they want is to keep seeing Zach Greinke. I thought he was right. going to go nine. See he see I thought he was going to go nine. They want to see the gas. That's what they want to see. You know what? I but they don't want to see Garrett Cole's gas. Exactly. <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. I was sitting here watching this. Like, this guy looks like, uh, like Bumgarner. He's doing yes. the Bumgarner thing where he's going to have, you know, when I was at the, the Mets playing game when they lost because Connor Gillespie hit a three run home <laughs> run off of Jerry's familiar. Go figure. But the thing in that game was, <laughs> the thing in that game was Bumgarner would have went a thousand pitches. He was not going to come he out sure of that would game. Have, yeah. And the Mets would And Bochy would have let him. him. Right. He's right. So my thing is, how can you look at a guy who's thrown a two-hitter, giving up a home run to a guy who hasn't been able to get out after the seventh inning in the entire playoffs, quite possibly deserves to be the MVP. And then you'll walk a guy who, like you said, you don't want to give in to him. I would much rather pitch to Ryan Zimmerman, you know, which happened the game before, too, game six. You know, they had first base open. uh, It was Howie Kendrick. And I would much rather pitch to him, too. I'd much rather pitch to anybody. Look, Kendrick had a good series, but, like, come on. You would rather go with you got to play. You got you know me. I've said this on the show before too. I would rather play the odds 
here. And the odds certainly don't tell me to bring Chris Harris, uh, Chris Will Harris, uh, Will Harris into the game. You know, he he you'd seen the fatigue on him before last night, and it wasn't his and fault. He acknowledged it. He the coach acknowledged it. And then still put him in. in Unbelievable. Game seven. Well, Unbelievable. Well, well, well. Let me bust. Let me bust your bubble yeah. a little bit right now because they're saying that AJ Hinch has the option. Has a choice. He he could take that uh, New York Met job. Oh wow! <laughs> Look, he makes the exact kind of managerial decision. <laughs> you know, I, it's so funny that you know that was the whole memes going around. All the Met stuff today was. Oh yeah, it's not surprising now that you know Brody wants to trade for AJ Hinch. <laughs> Can you believe uh, that? You know, it's like he's attracted. Yeah. It's like being attracted to a toxic woman. Attracted to a certain I'm, toxic time woman. Right? No, I'm. You know, matter of fact, I'm good on that right now. Um, <laughs> but you know, kind of the thing. Not to. We can talk about the Mets later, but you know, the Nats are going to lose guys now. I was kind of slyly hoping. I'm trying to get over this thing where like other people's fandoms being devastated gives me pleasure. But it's hard, you know, like I am very, very, very jealous of the Nationals winning the World Series um, because like you said, I mean, look, the Mets had the rookie of the year, the guy who had the most home runs in the league, Cy Young guy, a uh, guy who almost won the batting title and didn't even make the playoffs, you know, and didn't even was, make the playoffs, right. And also, how about how much does this one sting? And a terrible bullpen, just like the Nationals had a terrible yeah, bullpen. Yeah, it's the same thing. You could have rolled. Think about that. You, 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 you got you three roll horses. Three. You could have rolled three, four guys. They have more than three they guys. They got more than three guys. You can ride, you can ride DeGrom, Syndergaard, Mats, and oh, Wheeler the same way that the Nationals just rode. Yeah, and Stroman. And Mark I forgot, I about, forgot about, about Marcus Stroman. Stroman. Marcus Stroman is a big-time ball player. Yeah, big-time. Oh, uh, yeah. He came around at the end, too. Yeah. My thing is, this, and this is what I told my dad and I talk about this uh, after every game. You know, I after the Milwaukee game, obviously Milwaukee was down their MVP and they weren't that yeah. good of an offensive club. But, you know, I said there's absolutely no way they can manage like this through the whole playoffs. And guess what the fuck they did? <laughs> they managed it just like that the whole playoffs. They're ready to go to game eight like that. They're ready to go to game eight if need be. And that's good because Garrett Cole will be fresh. <laughs> right. Well, and let me let me ask you this. Now it don't look so crazy that they sat Strasburg out of those playoffs, right? Hey, they got it done. It was a long term play. I don't play mine long term like that. I actually think that that team was better than this team. Between us, that was really, really fucking stupid. I thought it was really ridiculous. But, but who's to say? Maybe he pitches. Maybe he. Overextends himself. Maybe he has Whatever. his elbow blown. Maybe gives you the Garrett Cole uh, and stays or, in the bullpen for seventh. Or, or, or maybe he deals all the way into October three years ago and actually wins right. the World Series. How about that? Maybe, but they won one, and we'll never know what else. Would yeah, happen. but they got him one. You know? Now, uh, you know the thing for me looking at it, the whole situation. I uh, I have to address how happy I was, and when I really I on the podcast, I told everybody not to sleep on. Washington. On Washington. And I actually thought the game, I thought it was going to go six. I had said six or seven. I thought it was going to go seven. Someone in my spirit even told me to pick the Nationals, and I, I denied it. They can't yeah. beat them. Yeah. And then when they booed Donald Trump in game five, <laughs> they did the right <laughs> thing. They did the right thing for the community. And, right. and I'm going to tell you something. In the same vein that MAGA got a major win, when the Atlanta Falcons were unable to hold that lead in the Super Bowl days after Trump was inaugurated, I feel the tide has turned in the same way now <laughs> that the nation's capital stood up and booed that man 
the bum who wouldn't even bring his 13-year-old son to the ballpark for the World Series. <laughs> you believe that, dude? Among other terrible right. things, add that to his loser ledger. That guy got booed, and I tell you, even though a lot of people are mad about losing money, especially uh, uh, Mac, the, the mattress guy down in Houston, I really believe that the country might get set back on its proper axis from this win. I'm hoping well, that that's the way it goes. <laughs> I thought I thought it was more because of you know the pitching decisions, but I look, I'm, <laughs> I'm good with that. Uh, yeah, it, you're willing to you know. you're willing to you're willing to accept it if it works out. Well, my friend, uh, you know, obviously, I I know a lot of Jews. I'm a Jew. My friend, one of the most Jewish. You know, I got to preface that before people get mad. You know? Right. I got a friend, who said he prayed for the Nationals to win, and you know they won. So maybe all the other shit we pray about will come. To you. I don't know, you know? You know, like I'll I'll pray for Trump to you know get impeached tomorrow, and then maybe it'll happen. maybe it'll happen. I haven't tried. Good it, luck. You know, after I pray for the Mets to win, because after you pray for the Mets to sign AJ Hinch, oh, you, no, no. AJ Hinch look, just got exposed. He That's just the got bottom exposed. line. That's what happened because he has so much talent on that team that he uh, never really had same talent. Never really had to manage. He got into a well, situation where he had to manage because he was a mediocre catcher at best back in the day. But Davey Martinez was above average player, yeah. and Davey Martinez knew in certain situations where to push the buttons. He sure and, did, and, and, and he, he put sure the right did. people in play to to make this From happen. Howie Kendrick to hit the salami exactly. in, in L.A. To to just total domination of to the Howard Kendrick versus Zach Greinke to Howard Kendrick versus Zach Greinke. I mean, this is well, and, and versus Will Harris. <laughs> I mean, look, it would be the most Mets thing ever because he's still under contract. They would have to trade for him. So after this, <laughs> you know, that okay, would be the most this Mets is it. We'll give you Degrom for AJ Hinch. <laughs> no, that's okay. Fine, <laughs> we'll give you Degrom and Strowman. Just give us AJ Hinch. No way, we don't have him anymore. Okay, yeah, I was, you know. <laughs> throw in Cespedes. <laughs> Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, you know, he's coming back next year, right? So, For what? Uh, yeah. Let me tell you, man. Appreciate the call. We're going to keep on the World Series coverage. Uh, but, uh, yeah, go Mets. We'll check in with you when we get closer Hold to spring have, training or if there's any more, more moves. On the World Se- I got one more thing on the World Series. First of all, Mickey Callaway deserves a ring. Secondly, <laughs> um, the the player was Hunter Strickland. He's not on their active roster. Ah, Hunter Strickland roster. got him mm. one with the Giants. Right, and now we can go look at that 2014 Tigers rotation. Of oh, this is the this is where I was going to go next. We can look yeah. at it. Let's look at that 2014 Tigers rotation. Right, they have it's a. I mean, oh, and let's not forget Annabelle Sanchez gave the the Nationals. You know that was the so boost that them. he gave them. Right in in the in the series against it can't be understated. It, it can't. It can't. The way he shut that. down, he shut down the Cardinals. I do believe he. I think he almost oh, no yeah. hit the Cardinals. Yeah. Well, the Cardinals came in like a corpse, but I mean, they <laughs> and a cold one, a cold corpse. Remember, right. Well, the last time we talked, that was a pick. That was your. Uh, I, I, I'm very disappointed in their work. I'm very dis. I, I, I got that did, one all the way wrong. Both, did you both have the Cardinals going to the series? No, I actually didn't. But I thought earlier, I felt like the Mets could have won. Yeah, he was. He was actually really big on the Mets before it got determined if the Mets. You know what it was? The Mets were his pick if they get in. Uh-huh. It was one of those, right? Just like the Nationals, <laughs> and they it just did so it. happened that they were the ones who got in. Um, so the Detroit Tigers 2014 rotation: Justin Verlander uh, might have been. Oh no, George Springer was the MVP. Won the 2017 World Series. Rick Porcello won the 2018 World Series with Boston. David Price, 2018 World Series champion with Boston. Max Scherzer, 2019 World Series champ, and Annabelle yeah. Sanchez, 2019 World Series champ. 
And then another guy who put this up said, bet all your money on Drew Smiley's team to win the World Series in 2020. <laughs> that is hilarious. And they also had the guy probably hit the Triple Crown that year, right? They or did. Was that, was, that was the year so. that Cabrera hit that, that Triple Crown first time in like <laughs> – the 40, 60 years or something. Well, like but look that. at this though. Arizona Diamondbacks have got some explaining to do too. Because you have Patrick Corbin, Zach oh, wow. Grinke, yeah. and Max Scherzer. They drafted well, Max Scherzer. You know Scherzer. what? Yep. Well, got rid of, well, they, they got a good haul back for him from Detroit. You right? didn't get a good, better haul than, 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 get than a, Max Scherzer. Yeah, you did not get OJ Mayo. <laughs> look, I haven't, I haven't talked to you guys since the, since I guess last time I closed before the playoffs. So, I got to hear some about how this series went in L.A. I know you guys must have been at some of those games. Oh, man, so listen to the pod. We talk about it on the pod. We were at game five, the determining game. I didn't think, so the, it, I didn't think the Dodgers were going to win. Is it because they didn't play anybody the whole year and they hadn't? Like, no, really I mean, that didn't help, year. but that's not it. They, this is another, they don't play the game the right this, way. This is a, yeah, this is no more mismanagement. Yeah. Cause they actually have the, they have the talent to get the job done and they don't use it properly. Terrible use of Clayton Kershaw. I'm, I know that I sound like a Clayton Kershaw apologist, but honestly, Clayton Kershaw, you could have felt the electricity in the stadium when he came yeah. in. Oh my God. You could have wrote that all the way to the World uh, Series. Man, you could have wrote, they could have wrote that all the way to the World Series. Yeah. He came in, he strikes out Adam Eaton on three pitches. He should have rode off into the sunset and that should have been that instead you set him up to fail and you bring him back out there honestly now i don't know if mentally he'll ever be the same after watching yeah. that footage of him in the post game yeah. because he's always seemed above the fray yeah like he's always known hey guys you say what you want to but <laughs> i got the good stuff <laughs> and, and you know it yeah. deep down you know it and i know it too but this time he looks like he may have been broken and uh what? you know so really it's, unfortunate it's, is managing a baseball team really this fucking hard like yes it is it is it is no, just like a, playing a so, baseball game is yeah, this hard there's so I, many moving parts but like the, I get all the the minute details. But like, you know, things oh, like not a lot out the manage, lineup man. card right or I. Yeah, well, okay. the matchups, the lineups, and it's not positioning or predicate. Yeah, the positioning. I mean, all this stuff means so much. Every pitch means something. Every pitch so means when something. When you've done, so let me ask you this: When you've done all that right, how hard is it to like win? You know, put <laughs> put. You get Garrett Cole in when you've got the lead. This is the issue. Of, well, you've done it right until you don't. Yeah. And yeah, you, but, now you have some, some, now when, some and, questions and, and, and Dave Roberts and and A.J. Hinch, the difference is, is that Dave Roberts got out in the first round. But Dave Roberts and A.J. Hinch both have the same questions to answer, just in different formats. Because ultimately, you set franchise records with your wins because you pushed the right buttons for the season. And both of them went away from what got them 106 and 107 wins. Yeah. Which makes no sense whatsoever. Mm. Yeah. So we'll catch you sooner and later, man. It's right. spring training's around the corner. We got a couple Listen, dark got, months and then we'll guys, turn it around. I know you guys don't talk basketball ever for some reason, but anytime you want to talk NBA, man, you know, I'm here. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we, you we got the, gonna, you're in the center of the NBA world. We're right in the now, center man. of the NBA universe. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, man. Good hearing right, from you. We talk to you soon. Late. Yeah, all right, Terry. Oh, Omar, congrats on the show, man. I love the last season. I was blindsided by that, too. I tell you, you watch <laughs> out. Keep your arteries clean. But I thought they were going to kill you off, man. I was, <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. All right, later. Late. Good, guys. All right. Yeah. Staying in the same vein. Oh, that's what I meant to ask him. And you know what? I think you're right. I, I, when I go back over it, as much I, I need to go co. As much as Steven Strasburg dealt, I got to go with Rendon or Soto for the MVP. That bomb Rendon hit changes everything. Well, I think that um, what Adam Eaton did. I mean, Adam, Adam Eaton was a monster. Adam Eaton was – I can't give it to – because he's two games which he was dominant. 
but I literally have to go with the guys who are in the pressure cooker 24-7. I mean, they're literally every – it matters. It matters. Every play. It matters, defensively and offensively. Unless you give me uh, Oral Hershiser or yes. a Madison Bumgarner. Yeah. You got to do me something that's way over the top as far way as – Way over the top. Po- overpowering. Other than and that, I need a relief appearance. And I need a relief appearance. <laughs> or or a complete game. I need I need something over the top. I need something over but the top. But I can't give that to the pitcher in this situation. I agree. And, but even though he dominated – He dominated. Game, I just I, not to, yeah. not but, to but downplay what he did. in every – Play. Every situation. He's in every uh, every pitch. Rendon, what every, Anthony Rendon did for the team, both defensively and offensively, was incredible. Adam Eaton played a great series. You never questioned his defense, which means that he played good defense. Yeah. And, 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 I, kid, and I'm, I'm not high on him like that. But I know you aren't. I, and the kid Juan Soto, forget about it. Yeah. Dude, the superstar was introduced in this series. And in this October, because he balled the whole October, and Rendon balled the whole October, and that's a big difference between him and Jordan Alvarez. They got Jordan got exploited a little bit, and and then he adjusted. And then he adjusted. But he never went itchy, itchy like Juan Soto oh, in big situations. And Juan, Juan Soto hit a mammoth shot off of Justin Verlander, which changed the whole dynamic of the series in Game Six. Juan Soto was intimidating. He was intimidating. Jordan was not intimidating. Yes. We always felt that, you know, well, all they have to do is go to the dirt and we'll get Jordan. Yeah. You go to the dirt one, he'll, he won't, he'll lay off. And that's one of the reasons why he got that call. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I gotta, I still gotta do more thinking on it, but I probably, I probably go with Rin, that Rendon bomb off of Zach Grinky was so big. Yeah. But it wasn't, it, was, it wasn't a game changer really like that. It, I, I, it wasn't. It was one run. It's a momentum shift, but it wasn't a game, a complete that's, game. That's just, what changes the game. Too. It didn't change the game. That, that bomb was sti- is bigger. They were still down. bigger even, as big, if not bigger, than Howie Kendrick's bomb. No, you're high. No, you're high. You know why? Because that's the bomb no. that actually made A.J. Hinch say, I got to go grab him. But Howie Kendrick's bomb, <laughs> come on, man. Moved him ahead in the score. Yeah. No. But but the bomb, the, Zach Greinke was unhittable at that point. Yes, very much so. And in the same way that we talk about how hitting is contagious, all of a sudden everybody believed they could hit Zach Greinke, even though they never showed that they could hit Zach Greinke. Cause I don't believe that they believe that they can still hit him. He, he's throwing he's throwing off-speed pitches that are so hard to hit when you're tuned up or dialed up for, to, 96. for 96 and 97. I agree. Because now in this part of the season, everybody's bringing it. He made him, he made him human, man, and it means a big deal. And coming off of that, another human is Garrett Cole. And Garrett Cole is Audi. <laughs> because this is what he's Garrett Cole. Audi commercial. This, <laughs> he's in an Audi commercial. <laughs> and this is what Garrett Cole had to say after the game. Yeah, a lot of good friendships. Um, you know, uh, obviously um, learned a lot about pitching from my teammates, from the pitching uh, coaches and pitching staff. Um, you know, learned a lot more about the game from AJ, um, and it was just a pleasure to play in the city of Houston. I mean, they're a good team, so like, I don't want to say like, oh, I'm you know so shocked that they could win four games, you know. But um, yeah, I would have, I would have, I think both teams probably would have imagined that. Somebody would have been able to defend their home turf at least once. Oh, I said it earlier, I'm going to have some friends from this clubhouse probably for the rest of my life. Um, so you just don't take situations like that for granted. And uh, winning a lot uh, is fun. So, yes. So basically he told them bye. He told them <laughs> bye in a polite way. There's more to it if you want to catch it on MLB.com. But Garrett Cole wearing his Scott Boris hat. 
crazy. Basically said, I want to get paid and it's time to bounce because you guys are playing games and I wanted to carve. You guys are playing a good <laughs> game of puzzle. <laughs> you guys are playing a solid <laughs> game of puzzle, but I wanted to play a championship level game and I wanted to carve. And I gave you guys every opportunity to do that. I heard somebody's floating around. I think of one of the guys from, uh, was it ESPN or one of the pundits talking about saying something to the effect that Gary Cole probably didn't want to get into the game because he didn't want to get hurt. I have a hard time. I have a zero percent belief in that. I have a hard time believing a ball player that doesn't want to play ball, <laughs> even if I'm getting ready to get paid. If you're going to get paid either way, I'm going to get paid either way. A, if I get Tommy a, John surgery, I'm going. To get I was paid. about to say it's a Kevin Durant kind of situation. Yeah. I'm going to get paid. Kevin Durant is sitting out the whole year and he's getting paid by the yeah. Brooklyn Nets yeah. forty million dollars because next million. year they know what he's going to do. Because next year they know what time it is. Yeah. So it is what it is. Uh, yeah. I don't believe that Garrett – A.J. Hinch said that he decided that he wasn't going to bring him in unless he had a lead. And he had a lead. So uh, I don't know why he said that. Well, unless he had a lead or if, or he was, or to close. Or if it was Saturday. <laughs> and <laughs> 3 o'clock with a 4 o'clock shadow. <laughs> I looked out there to pay the he had a 5 o'clock shadow. Did, no way, dude. You're not getting in the game. <laughs> Didn't feel right. Didn't feel right. I had to give go with Will Harris. Went with my gut. <laughs> Unbelievable. And got gutted. Went with his gut and got gutted. That's if you if you bring in if first and foremost, man, wait nobody's a minute. mad if you don't take Zach Greinke out. Right. That's his game. But they that have more the pictures of how baseball has changed. And I have a real for the serious worst. for the worst. I have a real serious gripe with it. Then because the, you had Ryan Presley. I mean, you they have a decent bullpen. You don't go have to go to Ozuna. Go straight to Ozuna with Garrett Cole to close out the game. Let Ozuna get these three out. I'm going to do that. I'm going if I uh, Grinky is giving me the best Grinky. He's giving me the best Grinky. I'm going with the next best thing, which is Garrett Cole. I have Ozuna close the game because for some reason closers have the propensity. They, they have a problem. Well, but they don't have. That, they don't necessarily have that problem because that was a high stakes situation. I agree with what yeah, you're but, saying. But they, that was a high stakes situation. Yeah, it was a high. They have a problem when they come in with the game tie, and you still see that he didn't get it done. He did not get it done he because they need now. to be in that situation. They need that. There's a mentality. Something has. But to But guess what? This is probably a bullpen day for Garrett Cole. So. In that we could, I, I don't care if it's a bullpen day or not. But I'm just, I'm, with, I'm just I'm throwing with, out, I'm just throwing out because he had two days rest. I'm with Joe Madden on this one, and Joe Madden ran Araldis Chapman out there <laughs> in the 2016 playoffs. He must have been out there a thousand times. And you know what, Joe Madden because because he learned that from the Yankees. <laughs> and, and Joe Madden said, you know what? By the time somebody can figure out how to hit a 105 mile an hour fastball, I will already have my ring, <laughs> and so will everybody else on this roster. Yeah. And he was right. Or that cutter that, that that they used to throw Mariano out there with. I'm sending him out there, dude. I'm running him out there. Base is drunk, no outs, and in the game, and we're up one. Yeah. And guess what? He'll get out of it. He'll get out in of the it. seventh. Yes. And he'll that pitch was the a next, seventh inning. And he'll pitch all the rest of the innings and close <laughs> this game out. I need a hold and a save. I need a hold and a save, Mo. Hold is not even in existence back then. Hey, Mo. <laughs> I need a hold and a save. And he's got it for you. Unreal. But this game is so watered down now, just like most watered of the down. professional Dang. sports, because everybody's playing a corporate game. Everybody's trying to save me for later. Hey, dude, tomorrow's not promise. Let me get mine right now. I'm not looking forward to gaming. I'm leaving it all on the field. I'm That's leaving it all on the court. I'm leaving it all everywhere. That's it. Same with, same with, I mean, same with like the Kevin Durant. I mean, Kevin Durant had a very interesting uh, conversation on first take today. Did you yeah. see that? Very honest conversation from Kevin Durant. I had to give it to for somebody, Draymond. For somebody who's, Comes off as so sensitive and like he comes off as sensitive in his game and social media. 
uh, I met him in person and he came off really sensitive. Like, so basically what we're saying is that he cares I know, uh, about certain things. I'm not saying that. He, care, he cares about the way that people think about it. That's, that's a big difference between saying that he cares. I'm not knocking Well, he does care, but he just cares about caring. the things. That, yeah, yeah. I'm not knocking anybody for caring. But if you're in the public eye, if you are so sensitive to what people think about you, there's a great chance you shouldn't really be in the public eye because there is Whose eye should you be in? <laughs> your own. There's, there's scrutiny that comes with being in the public eye that you know a lot of people uh, just can't handle. And when you take the dough and you take the position, that's a part of it. This is part of the problem with the thin skin of Donald Trump that everybody has. Yeah. Um, but but I didn't want to go there. I actually wanted to cover something in uh, in football because this situation with Trent Williams is mind-blowing to me. It's Did crazy, you see right? what happened with Trent Williams? Uh-huh. Let's listen to here. All pro Trent – all pro uh, uh, lineman Trent Williams came back and it has addressed what's happened with him. And this is just amazing to me. Here we go. You go get your own personal um, consults. <laughs> oh. You said six years ago? Roughly. Five and a half. And then when did you? Post Shanahan last year. And so then it just, what happened? Six years. Yeah. You know, I guess somebody took the time to actually realize, I mean, try to see what was really going on there. Football is more important. And I mean, to me, it was more important, too. I was, was told it was it was something minor, so I didn't really question it. Um, but, I mean, the lump continued to grow over the years. And, I mean, it was concerning, but there was no pain involved. And, you know, if I'm being told by the very people who, you know, I put my career in, in the hands of, they're telling me I'm fine, and I'm fine. You know, that's how I looked at it. Did so at what point did you him? go elsewhere or find out you weren't fine? Well... I didn't go up where I, you know, got to continue to finally get it, the, what I thought was a assist extracted. And uh, when they did, they found out it was, you know, it wasn't assist. It was a piece of the tumor. It was um, DFSP is what the cancer was called, a very rare soft tissue cancer. Um, so they realized that it was that. And then, Obviously, five years later, it grew substantially than what it was when I first bought it. Where did you go to finally get that taken care of? Um, I went to their doctors in Inova, and that's when I got the diagnosis. And then I, um, shortly after, I think the diagnosis that they gave me at the beginning, um, they kind of underestimated it, and it was far more advanced than they had realized, and I don't think they realized how long it was there, the doctors who seen me, um, so they had to send me somewhere else because it was too much for them, so that's when I ended up going to Chicago. Is there some, I mean, is there a kind of prognosis with this? Is everything fine now, or what happens now with this? Yeah, I mean, obviously the nerve damage in the scalp you know, come back on its own. Um, every six months, just go get checked, you know, make sure you don't come back. What's your Do you want to play football? I love football. Football has done everything for me. He addressed the media for 18 minutes, and some of the highlights were, you know, it was a ton of emotions. I almost lost my life, you know, seriously, I almost lost my life. You're 30, you're coming off your seventh straight Pro Bowl, and a doctor tells you to get your affairs in order. It's not going to sit well with you, and it still doesn't. Another thing that he said that is really made shockwaves is there is no trust between the team and I at all. Why should they? <laughs> so if, Why should if he, rather? If you guys aren't hip to what's happening, 
Trent Williams went to a team doctor from the Washington Redskins who refused to change their name, their their racist name, and uh, and and for because he had a mass on his head and he was having a hard time putting his helmet on. And they told him it was no big deal. Get out there and play, son. It turns out it's a malignant tumor. And it, it's actual cancer, and they're telling him to walk it off. Six years later, <laughs> he, he finds out that he, he has stage whatever cancer. And thank God he's going to be okay. But this is why you come to find that he sat out. Everybody thought, oh, he just, the, the deal was too big. Oh, he wants more money, blah, 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 blah. This is co- totally and completely understandable. Yeah, but they they're, they made it look like he was a greedy ball player. You know, the whole greedy ball player image. First and foremost, why don't we look after the athletes, especially football players, because they have nothing after they get through playing football, except for a broken body, you know, and a lot of them have brain trauma. And this guy had cancer and nobody, nobody there to stand up for him because he's actually trusting the team to do the right thing. And it's basically trusting the corporation to do the right thing that didn't do it. And he still he took the high road and said he doesn't actually have any, uh, <laughs> Does it have any hard feelings towards Dan Snyder? What can you do? Wow. <laughs> I mean, this is a, this is yeah. it's mind boggling. It's mind boggling. I mean, I, we can talk about the NFL. I don't really have that much to report on the NFL because the league is garbage. But, uh, you know, it's wow. Wow. Do you have anything you want to cover in the NFL? No, I'm just. I mean, you know, it's nothing of consequence necessarily. It's I mean, there's nothing major going on besides the 49ers not losing. Yeah. Trade deadline came and went. Yeah, and there wasn't any really big movement. Uh, Kenyon Drake went to uh, Arizona. Akib Talib went down to uh, Florida. Miami. Yeah, yeah. There's not a lot of movement that that's happening because, especially with football, it's hard to make trades in football. Those guys have to learn playbooks and everything else. You have to learn a scheme, and it's hard to plug and play. Not the defensive players, but the offensive players. Right. They thought that um, um, Le'Veon Bell was on the market, and they said that the Steelers were in the market for him. <laughs> he would have been pissed if he would have had to go back to the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> If I was him, I would have been pissed. I would have been there and caused a ruckus, as they say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, moving on to basketball real quick. You know, the the season is just starting out. It's uh, rounding out. I'm pretty surprised that they're resting Kawhi Leonard already on the Clippers for load management, which is – This whole – this whole – What I mean, is going on? I, this whole – World-class athlete, dude. And not only just world-class athletes – if he was not playing, I can guarantee you that Kawhi Leonard would be giving somebody so much in the gym right now that you would not be <laughs> able to understand. So he would be at that feeling. Like, dang, why aren't you in the league, dude? Exactly. He played every single night. Multiple games. Multiple games, dude. Multiple games. Work a, a you know, a, a decent job. Then yeah. in between. And then go play. Then go play. Then work out. Yeah. Give it, give it to some dudes that was talking slick. Oh, okay. <laughs> Getting a couple fights. Yeah. That's it. Uh, but now we have to manage him. He can't play back-to-back games. And you have to say. This is the same thing that went on with Garrett Cole. It's the same thing that just went on with Garrett Cole and why the Astros. We're saving him. Have one ring instead of two. We're saving him so for when he's with another team. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to make sure he strikes out another 300 guys next season. Probably us. (laughs) And he's going to strike out us a lot. Uh, But along those lines, one thing that I did find interesting that Kobe Bryant came out and took uh, took a shot at the NBA and said that he wouldn't make an NBA comeback even if he was 100% guaranteed to win another title. No, I like my rings the hard way. I heard that. <laughs> he doesn't want to lay up. Post-NBA Kobe is my favorite Kobe, I have to say. He's he's much more tolerable now than he was when he was the, the athlete, the star athlete. 
because he's still the star athlete without play. Yeah, and and he's telling you the truth. He doesn't want a he doesn't want an easy dub. He wants to work for it. He wants to work for it, even if he's, his version of working for it is playing with the most dominant player of all time. Yeah, but he but he always. But it's not like he yeah, didn't yeah, show yeah. up. I never, don't ever. No, no, he never. always he always was prepared. Now, Kobe, yeah. you never saw an out of shape Kobe or, never. or a Kobe that was not prepared like these guys no. nowadays. These guys aren't prepared to play the game. No, no, you didn't see. And that. if they are, then they'll sit out. You know, these guys spend too much time in the clubs, and then you surprised that when big they, money, yeah, they they got big money, but still, Kobe had big money, but you didn't see Kobe hanging out in the clubs nonstop. That's why he was an elite player. That's why you have a handful of elite, elite players that don't spend their time in the clubs. You have a, a handful of elite players also that do spend time in the clubs and still get busy. I <laughs> like James Harden. Yeah, a handful of dudes that yeah. you just go both ways. Yeah, what can you do? But he doesn't win championships or titles. And the last thing I want to cover in basketball is this. I play, I play just like I play in real life on video games, which really makes a lot of my fans upset. <laughs> you elaborate on that? What do they get upset about? Uh, because they expect me to shoot every time, and I don't. I play the right way. I run like really pick and rolls and, and double and find shooters. Go in the post and double. It's, it's a four three on the backside. They got a guy hot uh, trapping pick and rolls or on double and something like that. I play real, real basketball. Not fake basketball. Did you do that as a grown up? You playing pickup? At what point? You said, did you do that as a grown up? I think he meant growing up. But, oh, yeah. I was going to say. LeBron was born grown. <laughs> LeBron James plays 2K the same way that he plays <laughs> real life. He and doesn't I, overshoot. <laughs> rubs everybody the wrong way. That's, that's, it's everybody telling. wants that's to really see telling. him be selfish and dominate so much. I would like to see him be a little bit more selfish and dominant. But he actually has a high basketball IQ, and he doesn't have that. That's where he gets that whole thing about him not be, having a killer instinct. You know, because he's not willing to take over the game and just be completely selfish when he's supposed to, instead of giving the ball to a J.R. Smith or something like that. Which actually hurts the team. Which actually hurts the team. Um, then you got Kevin Durant with a huge interview today on uh, first take. Go go in and check on that. Uh, I want to get to some more info uh, that we got to cover, so you guys can check on that. But the gist of it was pretty interesting. I, ha- I haven't got a chance to watch the whole thing myself, but I know that he addressed the idea that the the situation with Draymond Green actually was a factor in him leaving. You uh, saw that on his face as soon as it happened. Yeah, like okay, yeah, <laughs> okay. He said that he has no, he has no interest uh, in in being better than anybody. He just wants to be the best version of himself. That's cool. He has, uh, he, you know, these are all obviously. I'm paraphrasing all this. Said that he likes watching Kyrie, Dame Lillard, LeBron, Ka- uh, Kawhi. These are some of his best players, the favorite players to watch. Said he has no plans at all of playing this year. The process is slow, and he's fine with that. And he's going to come back next year and tear the league up. I don't know about that. I think he's going to be nice, but it, I definitely don't think that he's going to be the player that he once was. That's just a part of that Achilles. Says he uh, says he's led. Said that people were mad at him for not putting Russell Westbrook in his place, but that wasn't. But he's the guy who took all the late shots, and it was always on him. And so that's not how he felt about Russell. Russell's a, a player that couldn't be tamed, so he wanted <laughs> to support him. But in all of this, the metrics, Kevin Durant is the guy that took all the late shots and took led the league in shooting uh, attempts, which then in turn shows him, this is Kevin Durant, that the GMs and everybody know that he's the man. That, that was his statement. Again, just another interview to confirm that I'm not a big Kevin Durant fan. Uh, me, myself. I'm not mad at him. 
I mean, Russell He's Westbrook. He's not mad did, at anybody. Russell Westbrook did take more shots than him. That's not what he said. Uh, he didn't. No. No. <laughs> what did you? You crazy? Did, he's saying, "I'll just play it for you, so you're not confused." Russell Westbrook did not take more shots than him. You're giving up fake news right now. I don't know. I have to look at the stats myself. Even uh, if he said it, good luck. Go go look him up then, because I'll play you what he said. The reason why he isn't considered the best by some others is because that lack of assertiveness, that lack of aggressiveness, the dog in him that says, "The hell with this. Give me the ball. Let me remind you of who I am." What do you say to that? I mean, I led my team in shots ever since I've been in the league. So, always been number one on the team in shots. It's like, but playing with Russell Westbrook, a lot of people say that I should put him in his place. Like, he's a player that you can't put in his place. He's a a, a big personality. He's a he's a a player that you can't you can't tame. So, like, I was just going to support him no matter what. I think that's what a lot of people try to say is that I wasn't assertive in putting Russell in his place. But my whole thing was the let these guys grow and be creative in their own space. You know what I mean? That's what teammates do. So, I mean, I always led the team in shots, always took the late game shots, always was trusted to make all the plays. And I played average 39 minutes a game almost my whole career. So it's, that shows you my GMs, the coaches, trust me to be that guy every single day, every every game since I've been in the league. Speaking of That's what he's saying. How many minutes per game did he see average? 39 out of 48. Um, I see thirty six point nine. Uh, he must that you must be looking including preseason. I don't think he's <laughs> he's talking about preseason. Anywho, looking at his career, it's a ghoulish good time on Halloween. So now, moving forward, um, I want to talk about boxing because this is a big weekend in boxing, ladies and gentlemen. It is going down. Not only is uh. We had a big week in boxing last weekend. Man, there's so many, there's so much action going on. The kid Shakur Stevenson balled out. Crazy. <laughs> balled out. He, he balled out. He went in there and, and, and got it done. There's a lot of uh, just so much, so much action to cover. We need to actually start doing more shows, bro. Plain and simple. <laughs> um, Team Canelo came out for some reason today and said that uh, they're ready for uh, Beater Biev, Better Biev. Why they would say that? I said Kovalev is better than Better BF, so Canelo's prepared to fight him too. Um, it's not true. It's just not true. Uh, Canelo today said that Kovalev is the best at 175, and that's why I'm fighting him, which is not, not true. true. Um, you see an old, tired man, and you want to go beat him up. That's the bottom line. And who's, hopefully, who's vulnerable to the body? Exactly, and hopefully he has enough in the tank and, and just not taking his cash out right now so that he can go ahead and set you straight, little whippersnapper. Uh, and then you come to find there was a very serious piece that came out that the working relationship between Canelo Alvarez and uh, Oscar De La Hoya and Golden Boy is not in good shape. And that is being made abundantly clear by Golden Boy's top star, Canelo Alvarez, who was secured a $365 million deal, who apparently did not appreciate the idea that Oscar De La Hoya promised a third fight with Golovkin. Surprise, surprise. He did not appreciate he, – he, now, the funny thing about this with Canelo is, is Canelo actually left the promoter he was with mm-hmm. to go with Golden Boy. And he came out and said that there's no loyalty in Oscar De La Hoya. Oscar changed managers. Oscar changed trainers. I'm a loyal person. He's not. This is all strictly business now. So this is uh, very – I don't know. This is 
there's trouble in paradise. But the big the big news is well, is the fight is on for this weekend. Right, and there's going to be a lot of trouble in paradise if he loses. Ooh, chum. Hmm. Well, and that's the whole thing. I think that what their strategy, the exit strategy is, is if, if somehow or another Kovalev can summons up a dub, he goes back down to 60 where he has the belts, uh, you know, where he's got this franchise title where he can run around. Because mm-hmm. the zone has staked their claim with him. That's, this is just all it is to it. Yeah. The money is there. Uh, and they, you know, they, they got to pay him his $36 million regardless of who Bottom he line. fights us or if he right. fights a, a named fighter. I don't want none. I'm good. <laughs> well, for 36, he can knock me out for 36. Yeah. I'm going to throw some punches too. Uh, yeah. I think I'm going to land. Yeah. There you go. There you go, child. I like that attitude. Um, but let's talk about that. That fight is coming up. And also Ryan Garcia is coming up with the drama that Ryan Garcia had with Golden Boy, all of which happened, uh, over this fight that was already on the books with this guy that he's supposed to fight as the co-main event coming up this Saturday. It's going down. It's on the zone, which honestly I can't front is the best deal in paid sports it right is. now. It is. You can't front on it. Even at 1995. And what was pointed out to us as well is their archive, which is unbelievable. Oh, the, the boxing archive. archive. Yeah. Deep archive. So you have to go and look for all those fights on YouTube. No, they're all there. They're all on your your smart TV app, which is great. So uh, we got a lot of other fights coming up this weekend. One that's really lopsided on the odds, but actually may not be as lopsided in real life, and that's Miguel Burchelt versus uh, Jason Sosa. Sosa's a giant underdog, and he will probably lose, but he may be worth the bet because he's something like plus 1,200. Wow. <laughs> exactly. Um, but what I wanted to talk about in the world of boxing was the family of the Ozone, Regis Rougarou Progre, went out to London this last weekend and fought in, to, in the championship of that Super Series uh, lightweight uh, uh, category, weight class, for the Muhammad Ali belt against Josh Taylor. And, man, was that a Royal Rumble. It was a serious tussle, as they say. Wow. Man, it went back and forth. It went back and forth. Two southpaws. We we told you guys it had the potential to be fight of the year candidate, and they went in there and they chunked him. I mean, they chunked him. And it, you know, it, you finally found someone who was able to stand up to Regis's body sh- shots and his punishment and his pressure. But the problem was, it seemed like Regis needed a little bit more time to execute because Taylor had great defense to the body. Yeah, it was the in-fight adjustments that needed to happen, and they didn't really happen. And they seemed like there was an A game plan and not a B game plan. Yeah, because Josh Taylor took away the body. Yep, and and he and he hit Regis a lot and with it, straight shots. Yes, he went straight down the middle, and and Regis looked ill prepared for that. Yeah, and he dominated the early rounds. Yep, and then the second part, Regis turned it up, but I, I don't think he ever really got over the hump of those early rounds. But, I agree. And but, I also didn't expect him to get a decision over there. No. You brought up something great about neutral sites. Please share that with the audience. No, I'm just saying that these guys should fight somewhere where the, they can't be influenced. The judges or anybody else can have a upper hand on the decision. A home field yeah, advantage. Yeah, a home field advantage because it makes a big difference. Regis literally, to me, didn't have a chance to win that fight by decision unless he had two to three knockdowns or something crazy dramatic. <laughs> you know, it's it's almost like fighting Canelo on the, on the zone. Because you literally have to have, you know, some some rounds in the can against Canelo to, in order to for it to be competitive. With him going over there across the pond to fight Taylor, he's going to run into a problem when it comes to a decision. Because you because he can't. The, there's going to be what was the 
what was the final card? Oh, so, so, and this was the part. If you watch, if you guys want to find a, a hilarious meme, find the referee when they announce the scorecards. One scorecard was a draw, 114-114, which I could have rolled with. One was 115-113 for Taylor, which I also could roll with. I actually don't think Regis won the fight, and Regis no. was very gracious in the post-fight. Yes. Like very, very, almost too gracious in the post-fight. And, it's, and it seems like Regis didn't really believe that he won the fight. Yes, which is, is so refreshing to see yeah. honesty in the ring yeah. afterwards. Um, Regis is a solid dude, though. Top to bottom. Soup to nuts. And then what we see is, the, as usual... One judge came in at 117-112. Where, where did you watch the fight? In the bathroom? Unbelievable. You can't come. I was, I was devastated. Always, always, always at least one judge on the take. And this is why I'm talking about having it in a neutral zone. You know what I'm saying? You have it somewhere where Regis doesn't have the upper hand. Go fight in Australia or something. You know, you can't keep doing this. So there's there's fighters who have it's like that happened to Manny Pacquiao in right. Australia with Jeff Horn. Right, but there's fighters who actually have a home field advantage in Vegas. You right. know, and then you like know Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, like Floyd Mayweather. This is why they don't want to fight out of Vegas. That's it. You know, that's it. And this it's is not like Canelo. Yeah, or Canelo. So there's a lot of guys who literally have a home field advantage. And I know that everybody subscribes to this A side B side thing, but what you're talking about is being unfair. That's, <laughs> that's what you're saying. <laughs> you that's want an unfair advantage. That's what fight. you're saying. Yeah. And what's supposed to be a fair fight as evidenced by us being the same weight. Right. Which is supposed to make it as fair as possible. Exactly. That's why when you fight in Los Angeles, you're going to find very rare that there are fighters who are literally centrally located, born and raised in Los Angeles or this area, which makes it a great place to have fights. You yes. know what I'm saying? You, who do you have? You have Mikey Garcia. Who else do you have? That are that are locals? Yeah, that are locals. Yeah, you have, born and you raised. Have, you have that group. You have the Garcia brothers. Yeah. You have Gennady who who immigrated, <laughs> but that doesn't necessarily count. Yeah, and he's never fought here. Yeah, you don't have a, a large yeah. contingent of of Angelinos that so is this hometown is, guys, right? So this is why Los Angeles is a great place for the fights. Yeah, other besides the fact that it's really convenient for us. Yeah, <laughs> that makes it even better. <laughs> I've always loved that angle. I really like that angle myself. Another angle that is not surprising is that Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. has been temporarily suspended by the Nevada Commission. What juice was he on? And, and for, but listen to this one. We won't know. You know why? He suspended after evading Vada collectors at his Studio City home last week. <laughs> he declined drug tests and faces a hearing with the commission on November 20th. The fight with Daniel Jacobs slated for December 20th in Vegas is in jeopardy. Yeah, don't worry about it. Six months later... They don't care. Under the rug. I, 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 I should take another quite a little. Love me in the money. That's all it comes down to. Yeah. Boxing. Boxing ain't serious about no health. They're not serious about health because it's a dangerous sport. And as we've seen later, I mean, earlier this year, there's so many guys not. We'll be so, down four boxers. Yeah. Now. Come on, man. That's a lot of people who died in the ring, literally. You know, come on. It's too far. People watch them, their lives beat out of them. Right. And we, wow. And we still have guys testing dirty. It's dangerous enough without the test. I mean, without the without the juice. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, man. Who are you picking this weekend? I, you know what? To me, the, the odds are in his favor, which is Canelo. Yeah. But I wish Kovalev could really give him a good fight. You know, I hope that he could give him a good fight. You know, because the big man coming out there and doing the big man things. But Canelo picked this fight for a reason, and so everything is set up for him to take a, to take the dub. You say it's set up. What can you do? I'm, I'm with <laughs> What you. can you do, child? I never felt like the Kovalev was a real threat. I'll be pleasantly surprised if he becomes one. Yes. But I never I never felt like that. 
Also, now that uh, now that he's got a belt, for some reason, Javante Davis said he's going to move up from 130 to 135 and then 140 and fight Josh Taylor. Josh Taylor responded with, that's the best joke I've heard in a good while. <laughs> what a minch. Javante could fight at 140 because he's always, he always walk around about 160. He has a hard time making 130. I ain't the slimmest guy in the world myself, but I'm not on a, I'm not, that's not my job. Uh, so that's what's going on in the world of boxing. Let's see what do it for the tipper has for us in the world of the NCAA. Mm. Tipper. Uh, there he is. Well, do it then. If since you're tipper. doing it for the tipper, let's do it for this. <laughs> well, what is it? Well, what is it, Biggie? Though, any ozone? Oh, what's the word? How you feeling out there, man? Man, I'm good. High winds. I'm good. I'm high I'm winds. Good. Are you in a fire zone? Uh, it's probably about. 25 miles uh, okay. west of me. Good, good. Uh, the only thing worse than all these winds is the dry air, man. We're below 10% humidity. I mean, it's crazy dry out there. Man, I'm going to say the fires are worse than the dry air and the winds. <laughs> I said the only thing worse than the fire. No, you didn't, didn't? say that. No, child. I, I'm going to have to go back and check the tape because you played too much. You know he good at trying to do that. Oh, oh my goodness! And you know I bust y'all out all the time. You got oh, the false my prophets. Goodness. Whatever. Everybody in the ozone. This is what we have to deal with. Why did you he, get him started? He just said that it's the only thing worse than these wins, but he didn't hear it, so it didn't happen. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Terry's going to run for president. He just, he's, he's, I should fully, fully qualified. I in should the, in the current political climate. Anyways. What do you got going? What, what, talk to me about your picks, man. People are on me about these picks. We gotta go, we gotta go at least six for nine. Well, talk to me. Ooh, six for nine. That's, that's <laughs> about the average. Takashi. Last week I was, I was pretty nasty that last week, but you know, we'll go through week nine of the NCAA and then we'll just jump into week 10. All right. So in week nine, I went with number 13, Wisconsin, upsetting Ohio State. I lost that when Ohio State ran deep up in over Wisconsin. <laughs> Plain and simple. How you doing? So that's my one list. Most of my one lost. Then went with number five, Oklahoma. That was a big upset. They lost to Kansas State. Now, we can we have to count it because it is an L, but I'm sure that everyone in national football land, Ozo land, would not have you know picked Kansas State to beat Oklahoma. So I'll take that one. I went with number 20, Iowa over Northwestern. That was a W. I went with number two, LSU, go Tigers, over number nine, Auburn. That's a big game. I went with number six, Penn State, over Michigan State. Sorry, Michigan State, guys. This was my upset pick of the week, and I hope the Ozone Cats rolled with me. I said number 15, Texas, was going to lose to Texas Christian University, TCU Horn Frogs, and it happened. Ooh, that cheese. Uh, next was number one, Bama over Arkansas. Then Boston College lost to number four, Clemson. And lastly, the game of the night, I went with number eight, Notre Dame, to upset number 19, Michigan, and it didn't happen. So for week nine, I went six out of nine. Pretty good. Not so bad. But so what do we got for week now. 10? For week 10. I need some ozone assistance. I'm, I want to taste, join in. I want to taste the sweet nectar of an upset. Where do I go? Okay. And we got one. So number fourteen, Michigan is is playing at Maryland. Maryland just beat Notre Dame. I'm sorry, Michigan just beat Notre Dame. But I don't think that Michigan is that good on the road. So we're gonna start this week with the upset. First call, I'm going with Maryland over Michigan. Ooh. Second game, 
NC State at Wake Forest. Let's go with number 23, Wake, Wake Forest. We got Virginia Tech at number 16, Notre Dame. I'm going with Notre Dame. Big game in, in down south. Number eight, Georgia is playing against number six, Florida. Gators. <laughs> I'm going with them dogs. Them no, dogs UGA on the road. My upset on the road in the swamps. I'm going with them Georgia Bulldogs, SEC. Then we got Wolford at number four, Clemson. I'm going with Dabo Sweeney and them Clemson Tigers. Number nine, Utah at Washington. Let's go upset again. We're going to the Pacific Northwest. I'm going with Washington over wow. Utah. I, I might do that. Nice parlay. That's a nice parlay. Let's do it, Washington. <laughs> hey, Washington wins big games. I'm going with Washington. So we go. It's early. Got... Game started at nine. <laughs> Damn, I'll get off work on Friday until about midnight. <laughs> You can't want to be able to wake up and see the game. <laughs> I want to see the game. That's my way to smoke the blood and smoke in your face. <laughs> <laughs> no, Terry, it's the fires. The fires are worse than the smoke. <laughs> Man. <laughs> then we got number 15, SMU. Welcome to the top 25, SMU. And they're playing against number 24, Memphis. Welcome to the top 25, Memphis. I'm going to go with Memphis right there. Oh, and we got a big game at the house. Number seven, Oregon, visiting to play against them USC Trojans. Them Trojans has been rolling. They've been hot. But I'm going with them Ducks. It's duck season right now because I have uh, early in the Ozone, uh, early in the, the, the season, I said that Oregon will probably be one of those teams that's on the border, on the cusp of making it to the uh, to the national football playoff round. Right. And, and last that, that position. They're moving up. We got number 21, Boise State. <laughs> I already know where and you're going. And they playing against them San Ho alumni Spartans. At Spartan Spartans Stadium. Four in four right now. One more game, and they are both eligible. Spartans but, getting blown out. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> I don't want to hear that. He's going to mess up his car and pull around the Spartans. <laughs> you want to mess up your car and some nostalgia truck. <laughs> Call oh, the games damn. right on some cinnamon. <laughs> and you go with the whole shit. You so damn. <laughs> they had the nerve to send me something talking about, we want you to post go, go Spartans. I was like, man. <laughs> as much tuition as y'all done got off my name, right. I, I called about my nephew getting in a day or two after the deadline, right. they're going to say we can't help you. Right. Care about hey, those I guess, Spartans? I guess we bash your sad those Spartans. Now put them on your car. Put them on your car. Go ahead. No, your I'm going to bash them too because I'm sure I still got some parking tickets. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm sure that too. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm I'm sure going to Boise. <laughs> oh my goodness. Hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, man. And that's all I got for the Ozone, for the for the college football picks this week. Tell me this: what so. you got for the NCAA paying these athletes now? That's what I was. That's what I was going to say. I wanted to, and before you go into that, I I, I want to throw something else into the mix that I haven't heard many people uh, reporting on for some reason, which is you see, Big David West is working with a startup, uh, uh, a Bay Area startup guy that would bought in. He that he bought into a new venture. That is a college basketball league that will challenge the NCAA by offering salaries ranging from fifty thousand to one hundred fifty thousand to uh, to the top prep players nationally and internationally, while setting them up with a clear path to higher education. The historical basketball league would be the first of its kind. That's the name of it: the historical basketball league. 
the ultimate test of whether fans watch college basketball because of the emotional connection to the names on the front of the jerseys, because of the gifted players with the names on the back, or a mixture of both. What do you guys think about that? Now, that, that, now that was announced before the NCAA announced that they were going to cave in and give and 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 give the endorsement that they Dave, were able. David West doesn't have that much money. No, he's not. No, this is why you gotta go with the crab in the barrel, brother. This is this, it's not about David West bread. David West got big bread, by the way, but he don't but, have enough bread to go against the NCAA because although they're although what they're doing is is letting the, the cat out the bag, they still want to control it in some form or fashion. They're not just gonna let all these kids walk walk away without you know without letting other people other people want to try to jump in and start stealing money. They're not gonna let that happen. They want all G's. Yeah, I think I think in. It's that's tough. The idea is and the concept is great. Yeah, I love the idea. I, I think it's almost like the NFL and the UFL and all that XFL. type of stuff. The XFL. It's good for kids to to be able to get paid up front. Will it fold? Will it happen? Yes. And then uh, you know it'll be a Z college uh, college basketball sport or something because these traditions and the alumni have been established for hundreds of years and. The NCAA is the biggest mafia on the planet. So, you know, they're robbing and raping and, and doing everything that they can to get the cheese. And they, 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 I think they're just too established. And sometimes folks are too scared to take the gamble and start something new. Yeah, I, here's here's what he said. Sometimes when you're on these campuses, you lose sight. You get caught up in what's going on in college, but then you realize, I literally got like 45 bucks. Guys in the league get consumed by things that have nothing to do with basketball. Literally some of the highest paid players in the history of the game. You're making 20, 30 million a year and mom is handling your finances. I'm not exaggerating. And this is simply because in the 12, maybe 24 months you're on a college campus, you're being trained to be a college person. You're not being prepared to take that next step. That's it. And that's what happens with us. Well, let me, let me ask you this. And that's, that's very interesting. So if you had a child and you know, six foot six, you know, young young Zion, Zion, would you want that ca- that child to go to Duke, or would you want that child to break off into something new and be in the the, the David Wesley? Well, that's funny because I happen to have Lavar Ball here in studio <laughs> who'd like to address this. Lavar no. Ball is one of the guys who's tried to start something similar to well, this. Well, they got it got smashed, but Lavar Ball definitely didn't have any money in yeah. comparison to this. And it's not just that's the thing; it's not just David West. This is him working with a. This guy that he's working with is the engineer behind Amazon Prime Video, who I imagine has a couple bucks himself. Yeah, but how much and, did they say that that the NCAA is banking every year with these college, colleges? Fourteen billion or something oh, like that? That's some crazy dumb. Yeah, so we have to recognize that they've been banking this money for years. Oh yeah, they got <laughs> so, big money. So, I mean, we're probably talking about in the trillions. They're not going to let they, this they go. Have- <laughs> <laughs> Everything always got to be so exaggerated with him, Timber. <laughs> Man, you're gonna tell me you're gonna tell me after <laughs> after fifty years they don't have a trillion dollars if you're banking billions no. every year? No. Hey, easy radio around here. Easy, real <laughs> a trillion dollars is a thousand billions. Okay, <laughs> this is absurd. So is for, so is a billion. Is a thousand millions? <clears throat> it's still absurd. <laughs> oh wait till I get going. <laughs> Inconceivable. <laughs> Terry the Contrarian, ladies and gentlemen, he's working uh, Monday through Friday right here in Koreatown <laughs> on the Ozone. Oh, my goodness. I'll be I, here all I week. I think that concept is good for someone um, who's, you know, not receiving the big deals, not receiving the big school scholarships, 
and then they can go to that type of school to pick up some cheese and, you know, a scholarship and, and, and get paid for it. But if my son had an opportunity to go to a major D1 school, hey, he's going to get breaded out anyway. He's going to get breaded out in front of the table, but it's almost that guarantee that they're going to get the meal tickets when after they do their year. Or even if the NCAA, you know, say one year and done or whatever rule that they have, if they can, if he's balling out, he can go straight to the NBA. Why would you take that chance of going to the David West School, the David West University? Well, because a lot of people are coming from situations when the cheese is necessary right now. We don't have another year and right. two years to play games. This this fifty thousand or a buck fifty that might be available right now could be the way to go. And if the kid is super nice, I I feel like it's a kind of situation where if you get one Zion, it changes everything. Right. Because if right. you get one of the kids that's the kid and they take the dough and then they go to the league, that changes the, the everything. I don't believe that. Right. And that's when the NBA changes its rule because once they start Well, the NBA is going to work in pressure. tandem. The NBA is going to work in tandem with the NCAA, How in about my the NBA? opinion. That's what I just said, fool. You said the NDA. And then that was we talking don't need about a non-disclosure agreement. <laughs> <laughs> you hear this cloud over here, man. He is Dude, he's he so salty. You know why? Because the Astros just got served. <laughs> I told you because the Astros got that's served. That's why. That's what happens. <laughs> the Astros got served. Not to get served. <laughs> you got served. You I would have stayed out the dirt. I would have stayed out the dirt. <laughs> no, you know, we know you would have. <laughs> I would make contact. No. I give you Vlad. Zach 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 Greeky would have had your number. Zach Greeky would have had my number. He throwing that punch. But that's why I told you that he had him in the first place because that pus has everybody's number. He called it, y'all. You called it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Don't be mad. And you're, you, I'll leave you with your trillion dollars. I'll leave you to count your trillion dollars. <laughs> you wait till the NCAA comes out and tell you about their bank. Which they'll never do. Yeah. They never do. That's like trying to get Trump taxes. It ain't here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right, do it for the tipper. Last thing, because we're wrapping up the show. We, we went long this time because we had so much to cover. Who you got this weekend? Kovalev, oh. Canelo. I'm looking Man. at a picture right now of Kovalev, who literally looks five weight classes bigger than Canelo. Really? I mean, he uh, looks like a uh-huh. five, the barber beefcake. He looks like Brutus the barber. <laughs> this is a great way for him to cash out and ride out. This is. I'm happy for. I'm happy for the crusher in this sense. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. It, it, I'm not going to say exactly who I, you know, because if it if it's a, I think we we talked about it months ago. If if it's a fight or a boxing match, I'll give it to Canelo. But if it's a a, a phone booth, a, a brawl, I'm definitely giving it to to Crusher. I so, think you got it backwards though, because Kovalev doesn't need to get in the phone booth. He's a bigger man. He needs to stay out there and and use that leverage on him. No. Crusher, I think Crusher got to make it an ugly fight. Canelo ain't fought an ugly fight since forever, ever. He's the more experienced fighter, the more polished fighter at this time. Because how old is Kovalev? 37, 36, something like that. 36 or 37. Okay. So which is hella old in boxing. Yeah. But, yeah, so, you know, if if it's a boxing match, I'll give it to Canelo. 
But if it's a, a brawl, I'm going Kovalev because he ain't got nothing to lose. He's going to throw all the punches. It's I, hard to give the, the – to me, it's hard to give a boxing match to the smaller Yeah, guy. me too. I, I mean, the brawl – Canelo needs to brawl. Yeah. And that's he why – and, and that's how he needs to get inside is to brawl. But if Kovalev uses his size, even being the uh, – just being the bigger guy is going to keep – Canelo at bay, you know, with the jab and then making him pay every time he tries to get in there to the body. But I heard some kind of stuff floating around where Canelo's been knocking out heavyweights and all kind of stuff. Yeah, they love to I, throw that one out there. <laughs> like, what? Who was it? It was me? Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even work he out. I'm a bum. He had some beef. He had he had some, some of that, that Guadalajara beef. <laughs> 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 Did you want to bring up Brutus the Barber? <laughs> Get me right now. <laughs> <laughs> some of them beef tacos from Guadalajara. <laughs> <laughs> some of that kind of day. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes, sir. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is wrapping up a spirited episode of the Ozone. Do it for the tipper. Glad to have you on. And uh, we'll catch you soon. We're going to leave you guys with a quote from Maya Angelou, and it is that courage is the most important of all the virtues because without courage, you can't practice any other virtue consistently. We're all in this thing together, folks. I'm your host, Omar Miller. And this is the Ozone. Ozone. I'm just living the dream. I'm in love with the lights. 